0: Promotional consideration paid for by the following. StevieRichardsFitness.com It's a brand new year, so make a brand new you by joining the SRF resistance today. Russo'sBrand.com Get the real shoot from the most controversial personality in wrestling, Vince Russo. ProWrestlingTees.com Get the coolest merchandise from your favorite independent pro wrestling talents worldwide. Head over to ProWrestlingTees.com and enjoy your 20% discount for the first five days of the new year. And support indie wrestling today. GetAgerGold.com. The online subscription service that delivers gold discreetly to your front door grow your gold stash using the affiliate link getacregold.com backslash horseman to start your subscription make sure to follow them on twitter at get underscore acre and tell them the hami media group sent you for an opportunity to win a free gold bar the following program is presented by the htm podcast network Kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game.
1: It is Wednesday, January 15th, 2020, and you are tuned into Hitting the Playoffs here at the HTM Podcast Network online, HittingTheMarks.com, and Hameen Media online, HackerHameen.podbean.com. This week's show brought to you by Get Acre Gold. Visit GetAcreGold.com backslash horseman and give them a visit on Twitter at Get underscore Acre for your chance to win a free gold bar. My name is Jargo. I'll be your host for the day. That's my wideout. He's big, Stevie, cool, Stevie, Richard, Stevie, Welcome back to your show, man. How was your weekend?
2: It was great. I, I noticed you've been calling me the wide out or the wide receiver. Have I, have I already uh, exhibited uh, characteristics of a diva? Have I said I haven't been able to talk enough or... haven't been given ball enough i I don't i don't get featured enough what's going on or am i am i just throwing furniture out of my apartment window and hitting little babies what am i doing
1: no i i I like to think of you as my go-to guy man you know there's all these other guys on the field everybody else out there they've got a podcast too everybody wants to talk about the nfl these days but you're my go-to guy you're you're the one guy that no matter what is up like we could be down 24 nothing guess where i'm throwing the ball big stevie cool cool
2: Man, if I, you know what? I, I, if I could score three touchdowns in three minutes and some change, I would, um, I'd probably give up podcasting for that because I think uh, just the one payoff from the playoff game, what is it like? 50 to 100 grand if, you, if you're if you in a divisional round?
1: Yep. Yep. Pretty sweet. You know, it was funny uh, because when you were sending me all those messages about how crazy that game was, I was actually in the middle of recording. And I'm just like, what in the world is going on here? And then I look at the score and I'm just like, oh my God, this can't be happening. And by the time I actually got to my television to start watching the game, it was already like 24-21.
2: This is is why I really do, and no offense against the wrestling business because I'm still involved in it after 28 plus years. This is why nothing will ever be a competitive sport like the NFL. This kind of excitement, this kind of, it's almost like it's booked that way. Like I'm looking at this going, this is is like a script playing out in a movie. And it's just so incredible to watch that and to see how the crowd really is involved. The crowd's not trying to hijack the game, but they're trying to hijack the game for the home team and how the energy of a place. And I get a little bit of goosebumps thinking about it because my wife was watching it with me and she's less than a casual fan she just watches football because you know to support me and you know I like watching football she was getting excited just like back in the Eagles game when Baby Yoda was running around she was calling him Baby Yoda these are the things that make the NFL no matter what the black eyes they, they 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 do deserve this is what makes the NFL truly a historic type of league
1: Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's funny that you bring up your time in pro wrestling and and bringing up how this is all booked. I got to thinking about it the other day. And, of course, there's always been that speculation that every sport is a work. The NBA is a work. The NFL is a work. The NHL is a work. You know, if anybody is actually booking this thing, it's clearly going to come down to the Kansas City Chiefs and the Green Bay Packers in a rematch of Super Bowl one in the NFL's one hundredth season. Like the storyline writes itself, right?
2: That's what you would hope. But I don't think that I don't think the script is going to go crazy. I, I That would be perfect for the hundredth year to end it like that. And I'm sure Antonio Brown will do another live video with the cops to ruin it. I, I just think. 49ers man i, I think that's an ugly I and mean, i'm so sorry because you're a packers fan that's good we're going to get into that and break it down but i just feel like that's going to be an ugly game because last game against the seahawks seemed like that was going to be a pretty ugly game
1: the heart attack pack Every time. Well, Stevie, let's go ahead. Let's start things off. I want to start with the Hall of Fame. Uh, Bill Cower and Jimmy Johnson being announced for the class of 2020. The first two inductees we will get the full list a little bit later on. Um, and I'm sure probably on our off week in between the championship game in the Super Bowl we'll be able to discuss that. Uh start off with Bill Cowher, 149 90 and 1 161 99 and 1. If you include his playoff record, only the 15th coach in Steelers history replacing Chuck Knoll in 1992 at age 38 at that time he was the youngest coach to lead his team to a Super Bowl, that Steelers team was absolutely ridiculous, led the Steelers to the playoffs their first six seasons, tying Paul Brown, that's a record, 15 seasons, eight divisional titles, 10 postseason bursts, 21 playoff games, six AFC championships, two Super Bowls. Stevie, I guess the biggest question that I have, how come Bill Cowher never came back to coaching? He stopped in two thousand seven, and every year there for about five to six years, we would hear his name around every coaching vacancy, and then it just kind of stopped. He's not coming back.
2: Well, you read all those stats, and I, obviously he just squeaks into the Hall of Fame <laughs> just a little bit. <laughs> but a uh, hey man, leave uh, leave on a high note, leave on top. Don't don't tarnish your legacy for whatever extra money. And we don't know what he's getting paid. He's on CBS, I believe, correct? Correct. Yeah, what's CBS paying these broadcasters? I mean, down the line, I think we'll have it somewhere here. Tony Romo is going to get more money to broadcast than he ever got as a quarterback. So that right there, you know, to have a second career in the NFL, and we've talked about this in our comparison to wrestling, the avenues that coaches and players have to be broadcasters, radio show hosts, other other kind of talking heads – why bother? And also I, I can see from this video how much he loves his wife and his daughters. And you know, he shared the memories and the moments and why bother? You know, the life of an NFL coach, I think is something like what John Gruden sleeping in the office a lot, sleeping at the stadium, almost 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And you're pretty much going to have to get paid by a losing team at this point. Cause But teams like the Steelers and other places have their coaches. So you have to really build up from the ground up.
1: That Steelers coaching legacy is just incredible, let alone just the few amount of coaches. They've only had two coaches in my lifetime, and that's insane. Let's talk about Jimmy Johnson. Um, started his coaching career in 1965 at Louisiana Tech, 1979, his first head coaching gig at Oklahoma State, 1984, the move to Miami, and the birth of the U, 52-9, and five New Year's Day bowl wins, national championship in 1987. Stevie, I can't lie, the U is what got me into watching football. That team was just nasty. I was a young, impressionable kid. The, the U was fantastic. You have any fond memories of watching the U back in the day?
2: That was when really that, that uh, a lens was put on how it was acceptable to have questionable outside activities. You know, yeah. you had guys in the 60s and 70s like the famous Green Bay Packer. I forget his name, Max something who got drunk the night before the Super Bowl. And then he ended up playing like the game of his life. Was that him? Yep. His name was Max something. He was a wide receiver or tight end.
1: Yeah, God, I don't... Am I wrong
2: about that? Whole, I don't remember the whole story. Well, you know but you but, know who it is we're talking yeah. about. He's definitely in a Hall of Fame. Yeah. This year, <clears throat> I wanted to say something because you're going through all this stuff with Cower and Johnson. The one thing I don't appreciate uh, that I liked when he say he went to, the, the president of the Football Hall of Fame, went to Randy Moss's hotel room with that uh, video and, and visited guys outside of, say, their work environment. I don't like the fact in these two cases that the other guys just wouldn't lay out. Just shut yeah. the fuck up, man. We want you to be excited, but you're getting these little jabs and, and these little and let the guy finish inducting him into the Hall of Fame. You see, did you feel it was disconnected there for me? I didn't like that.
1: For me, it was Bradshaw. Like, I feel like that should be a private, intimate moment, which the I'm Hall of Fame normally is.
2: What's that? You broke up a little bit. Can you repeat that, please?
1: Um, Especially Terry Bradshaw. It felt like he had to be the center of attention in that entire thing. We're getting an ice storm right now, ladies and gentlemen. So if we break up a little bit, that's why. That's what's going on. It's my internet connection.
2: Or just Skype. It doesn't matter what kind of weather we have.
1: <laughs> the ice always just raises hell. Um, He made the College Football Hall of Fame 2012. Uh, 1989 to 1993, of course, the Dallas Cowboys head coach, and he was responsible for the Herschel Walker trade. Um, Stevie, that completely changed the entire face of the NFL. That was the first time any of these big name players where you're getting a whole bunch of draft picks in return. That was the first time this really happened, and it set a new standard inside of the NFL.
2: And from what I remember from uh, a couple of the documentaries, it was super unpopular with the Dallas Cowboys fans, which, with our example, we're just two fans talking about this. We don't think we can run a football organization. So Dallas, you know, if he had listened to the fans and maybe even listened to Jerry Jones, who has his favorites and likes box office, the Dallas Cowboys would have uh, continued to be maybe maybe the Cleveland Browns for many more years after this
1: instead they would go on to win back-to-back Super Bowls 1992 and 1993 and of course we've talked about it a little bit on the show before even the Barry Switzer Super Bowl that was still Jimmy Johnson's team he is still not in the Cowboys ring of honor which makes absolutely no sense to me and then he would move on to the Miami Dolphins 1996 to 1999 that's kind of like Michael Jordan in a Wizards jersey nobody wants to talk about that Overall, NFL coaching career, 80 and 64. And Stevie, what really stood out to me with both of these guys, why were they not already in the Hall of Fame?
2: Yeah, this is this is quite weird, maybe because there's a certain um, trend for a few years where it has to be. Because remember, it was we're getting to a point now where stats are just crazy with wide receivers and quarterbacks in the new era, the passing era, the new rules. This is going to get even worse. They even talked about expanding the number of people that get in every year. Was that the the talk last year? Because, you know, Randy, Randy also was a first bout, but Terrell Owens should have been a first ballot because once again, it's politics. People don't like, maybe somebody didn't like Jimmy Johnson, somebody in the media. He might've snubbed because he wasn't, he was a no nonsense guy. Maybe Bill Coward, the same thing that, that's where I feel like that the Hall of Fame to a certain extent should be more of the peers than the media, than the writers, because those those people can be so friggin' petty with this stuff. Speaking of petty, you said 92 to 93 was back to back Super Bowls. How many more? And that Cowboys ring of honor just puts an extra explanation point on the fact that Jerry Jones just wants to credit. And they could have had ninety-four, maybe ninety-five, maybe ninety-six with Jimmy Johnson as the coach. Who knows how many? They could have been up with the Patriots or the 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 Steelers with five, six, seven.
1: Yeah, I think that dynasty was absolutely cut short. And it's nothing against Barry Switzer. You know, it was just, he wasn't Jimmy Johnson. And especially that shot of Troy Aikman. Like, I was fine watching this thing. Yeah, I'm a grown ass man. Yeah, I cry when I watch stuff like this. And it wasn't until that shot of Troy Aikman, I was just like, oh my God, Troy Aikman is sitting on national TV crying about this. It's okay for me to cry about it in my living room.
2: Hmm. I, I didn't quite cry about that, but maybe there's we a better story. You're an
1: Eagles fan.
2: I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a heartless <laughs> bastard. <laughs> A heartless bastard. We we threw snowballs at Santa Claus. So, yeah, yeah. Is this by the way? I don't remember them ever in recent history announcing this many people this early. Didn't it used to be like over the off season that they would announce these? They they would go from the 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 eighteen or the twenty and then start thinning the herd from there. Wasn't that the, the, that right after the Super Bowl?
1: Um, I think it's right before. Um, It looks like the selection committee this year is meeting on selection Saturday, which they're doing the night before Super Bowl Sunday. And that's when everything is supposed to be announced.
2: But there must be a Mandela effect. I don't remember that.
1: The, the list of names this year, because it's the 100th anniversary, they are inducting more people this year. I don't know if that's going to be something going forward or not. But for the 100th anniversary, they wanted to do spe- something special for the Hall of Fame class. And I mean, as far as the, the doing this on the pregame show for CBS and halftime for Fox at the end of the day, and we both know this. This is a TV show. They need ratings. How many times are, is this going to be replayed and through all the different news outlets? And now suddenly you're thinking, oh, my God, I have to watch this pregame show
2: because you don't know what's going to happen. Yep. Yeah. And that guy, oh, man, I, that, that, that guy, the president of the Hall of Fame is such a seems like such a sincere just he has the best job in the world. He gets to go around and meet these legends and and fulfill a lifelong dream. Wow, what a great job!
1: They did something um, about him on HBO Sports uh, several years ago, and they di- walked through like a day in the life of this guy. And he's going like through the hotel and knocking on these legends' doors, and basically giving them the same speech that he was giving to Jimmy Johnson and to Bill. Yeah, that the other
2: guys would not let them finish. Right, it's, I, I got to say that again. What a just lay out, shut up! You've already you know let the guy have his moment.
1: My God. And that's what makes it so cool is they like they lock all these guys up in the hotel and he just goes around and he knocks on the doors and extends the invitation for them to come and join the Hall of Fame. And you get this moment where a lot of times it'll be like the the coach or the player and his family in the room. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it'll be just him inside of the room and they get that intimate moment. Yeah, you're absolutely right. They completely robbed Jimmy Johnson and Bill Cowher of that moment.
2: You do you think the time might come one day where they knock on the hotel room. Maybe they stopped it for that reason. They knock on the hotel room door and there's all this fucking blow all over the place and whores everywhere. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? The guys all they got the powder under his nose. Dude, That would do you want to talk about ratings.
1: It'll be John Gruden, right? I mean, we, we we've Gruden, all thought he was.
2: Dude, he's not on any Coke. Look at how fat he is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tremendous. Uh, let's talk about another coach that who knows, maybe someday he will be in the Hall of Fame. By the way,
2: allegedly, see there, yeah, allegedly, allegedly, I gotta say that. Speculation.
1: Kevin Stefansky. Minnesota offensive coordinator hired as the new coach of the Cleveland Browns. It's a five-year deal. Browns also interviewing the Vikings assistant general manager, George Patton. So it looks like we're going to bring in a whole new front office here for Cleveland. It's going to be the Browns 10th head coach since 1999, the fifth since Haslam bought the team in 2012. They are 33, 94 and one under his ownership. Um, Stevie, what do you make of this hire? And then we'll jump into all the other candidates that probably could have had this job that just said, yeah, no, it's Cleveland.
2: Well, with thirty three, ninety four, and one I don't think they're going to squeak into the Hall of Fame, the ownership or the GMs. This here is just basically, I think Cleveland has a lot of, you know, the same characteristics of Jerry Jones with a lot less success and a lot less profit. Because what you're having here is people in charge who are just installing a figurehead coach. People in the background are going to make all the decisions. And now the analytics team and this this uh, chief strategy officer, I believe he's called, said to, to throw analytics in there. It's just – this is a very experimental thing. And Cleveland fans do not deserve to be part of an experiment.
1: And poor Baker Mayfield – This is going to be his third head coach now in just as many years. You know, I'm not on the Baker Mayfield train. I never have been. I always thought that he was overrated, that he was overhyped, and that he was never as good as people claim that he is. But at this point, is he even getting really a fair shake at this thing?
2: Well, what quarterback? You know that that can be contested a lot. What a lot of quarterbacks. You go back to David Carr in Houston, who's I still think he's been sacked more than any other quarterback. I think he's still getting sacked. Yeah. Like he gets off the set of the NFL Network and somebody sacks him. <laughs> but they he suffered the. He was a very very good quarterback who didn't have an offensive line. Baker's in sort of the same thing. But once again, the guys constantly the the films out on him, yeah. and and all they have to do now. Hey, let's draft some tall linemen, and we can win two games against the Browns because he can't see over them. This is there's a lot of stuff that can happen. Uh, this is a quarterback heavy draft. You you said that in the past two episodes, right?
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: The second the second the coach said we are not we are going with Baker Mayfield, or I'm paraphrasing it. All I thought back was to um, what's the guy, New York Giants GM uh, Gettleman saying we're not going to trade Odell. I'm like, dude, that's the kiss of death. (laughs) Once you say that, that's that's it.
1: Also, George Patton, uh, sources say that he is basically the guy that has been responsible for the last couple of Minnesota draft classes. We'll kind of have to see how that shakes out. But I do kind of worry about bringing in the Minnesota offensive coordinator to be my head coach. I mean, when I think of that Minnesota offense, outside of Delvin Cook, there's not a whole lot that I'm scared of.
2: True, but that's who, who's that an indictment on? Is that an indictment on the offensive coordinator or is that an indictment on Kirk Cousins? Does that say that the guy both? didn't have faith? Did that say the guy didn't have faith that, that the quarterback uh, or the offense could take him and the coaching staff past where they were? I mean, I think Minnesota might clean house to some extent.
1: Look at all the started, turmoil. Keep Zimmer. I mean, but what's that? You look at all the turmoil that we had with the wide receiving core and Kirk Cousins about halfway through this season. That absolutely has to fall under Stefanski, right?
2: Yeah. And speaking of Stefan, Stefan Diggs was throwing a tantrum at the last game. Yep. The yep. Saints game, I should say. Wasn't it the Saints game he threw a tantrum that yeah, he caught it the. It was the
1: Saints game because he only had like two receptions that game.
2: But they counted. So he might not be that they might break up that team. And then maybe he saw that, like, they might extend Kirk Cousins. So why should I stay when we're just going to kind of be right here? Of course, never being a head coach in your life. That's a very uh, it's a delegation job. You we've talked about it last episode. Can he delegate and who's going to be the offensive coordinator? Uh, Was it Pat Shermer? No, he's going to Denver.
1: I hadn't I hadn't heard who the Browns. was. Shermer, Pat Shermer's
2: going to Denver with Drew Locke, which isn't a bad idea because he was in Minnesota with Case Keenum. Yeah. So who's going to be your offensive coordinator? Are you going to call the plays and be the head coach? Oh, give me your one of that. No, I don't think that I definitely don't think they're doing that.
1: It'll be interesting to see how that works out. Um, let's talk about another group of angry people, the Fritz Pollard Alliance. Uh, They issued a statement the other day regarding diversity inside of the NFL. They pointed out inside the article 70.1% of the players in the NFL are African-American, and yet there is only one African-American GM. There are no African-American presidents of uh, NFL teams. And even though we have the Rooney rule, only three of the last 20 head coaches have been African-American. There's currently four. African American coaches inside the league. The two best candidates this year, Marvin Lewis, he had a record of 131, 122, and three over his coaching career. That's his regular season in the playoffs, 0 and 7. It'll be interesting if Marvin Lewis gets another head coaching job or if he has to go through like a defensive coordinator stint before he works his way back up to that. The other gentleman that's out there is Eric Bieniemy, who is the Chiefs offensive coordinator. And when I look at the Chiefs offense versus the Minnesota offense, I can tell you which coordinator I would have hired first. And they happen to wear red, not purple.
2: It's a good point. Uh, do you think the Rooney rule is just a work? Yeah, absolutely. it appears with these stats. It is. So how do you how do you take the next step of making sure there's plenty of there's there's plenty of black players that it became Ozzie Newsome is the most famous one. He was a great, I believe, tight end and became probably the most prolific uh, GM in, in modern history. Yeah, you have uh, Mike Mike Tomlin you know, I, I believe Mike Tomlin had may, if he had had more opportunities at the time of his hire going to the Pittsburgh Steelers, what your stat, you said before he's only the fifth coach in their history, I believe 15th, 15th, but in the past, however many years since Chuck Noll, he's the, he's the, fourth, the third or fourth third. third. So Chuck Noll, Bill Cowher, Mike, Mike Tomlin. Tomlin, he knows they're not going to just do what the Browns are doing. And that's another thing too. Uh, are they going to be put in coaching positions like Hugh Jackson was in the Browns and he's not the he's not the person who caused the Browns to be bad they were bad well before and we can see well after marvin lewis was the coach of the most frugal nfl owner in cincinnati
1: yeah you look at that record And that record doesn't look impressive in any way, shape, or form. And then you see how long he was in Cincinnati, and that's a pretty impressive record for Cincinnati. No offense to anybody listening from the greater Cincinnati area or that's a Bengals fan, because I know you're out there. But that franchise is just a
2: mess. It is, and it's cheap. And let's let's not even let's take the zero off of that and just put seven playoff appearances when you're almost 500 throughout your coaching career to be able to f- fight, claw, and scratch to get to that. And let's not forget, he had the best chance that playoff uh, when Carson, Carson Palmer dropped back threw a deep pass towards ACL because of that low hit. They could have went much deeper that year. Andy Dalton is whatever Andy Dalton. I don't even know. That could be a system problem. But they don't have anything. And, and that would be something where if they did put the pieces in place, to be able to bring him back into uh, a system, I'm surprised they, they didn't um, coach him or didn't offer him an interview. They did in Dallas. He talked about it. I hadn't seen the interview. Uh, a place like Carolina with a strong defense. Well, up until today. They don't have one right now. Yeah, <laughs> They missed a piece. So this, this needs to be fixed, but I don't know how it's fixed, and I don't know how you just – don't go the other way and just hire ones that aren't qualified just cuz you need to hit a quota. I mean it's a tough spot to be in. I don't know who's in charge of determining this Rooney rule stuff or the, however many adjustments moving forward, but man, I don't I don't envy those people.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um let's talk about that Carolina defense. Uh Luke Keekley calling it quits at the age of 28 missed 7 games over the course of his career due to concussion wore an experimental device named the Q-collar around his neck for the last 3 seasons. The innovator claims that it helps reduce the risk of con- of concussions. Um Stevie, it's arguable that this kid has been the best linebacker in the league. Ever since he came into the league, seven-time Pro Bowler, five-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro, three-time Buckus Award winner, NFL Defensive Player of the Year in 2013, Rookie of the Year in 2012, we only got seven seasons. Stevie, I have a feeling that this is all due to concussion side effects. And I I know we joke about CTE here on the show every once in a while, but it's absolutely no laughing matter. I hate to see this. And watching that press conference that he gave yesterday, he does not want to retire. He feels that he absolutely has to. And when you get that feeling, you absolutely have to walk away because you can't go at this game at 80 percent, 90 percent in the fear of getting another concussion.
2: It takes a real man to take your ego out of this and give up tens of millions of dollars. I believe he had $22 million left on his contract and think about your family and think about the future and think about what kind of burden you could potentially be to them in the future. Because when it all comes down to it, and it sounds so cliche, money don't mean anything if you don't have your health, if you can't enjoy it, if you're a vegetable, if you're somebody that can't even like with um, Mike Webster and the famous documentary League of Denial when he couldn't even remember to put a jacket on. He knew it was cold. He just didn't know how to fix it. Is that the most terrifying? It terrifies me to think about being a pro wrestler and knowing I've suffered concussions. If I could have got out of the business at 28 with generational wealth, my ego would not have kept me in it. Even though not knowing back then at twenty. 20- What I know now, 20 years, right? I knew I would have known, Hey, I've seen boxers. I don't want to be punch drunk like that. So good, good on Luke Kuechly. And they, there were stats too that like Calvin Johnson, um, and among others, the football players are retiring 30 or younger now more than ever. Yeah.
1: And I wonder if that's going to be a new trend considering the dollar amounts being passed out inside of these contracts. Um, the other gentlemen walking away from the game. Antonio Gates, drafted in 2003 by the San Diego Chargers, eight-time Pro Bowler, three-time first-team All-Pro, two-time second-team All-Pro. He's the second tight end in history to catch 100 career touchdowns in a season. He also holds the record for touchdowns by a tight end in a season with 112, sixth in career touchdowns, 11,841 yards for his career. Stevie, I feel like we forgot about Antonio Gates. To be completely honest, I thought he retired like a couple of years ago. He only had like 33 catches this year for uh the Los Angeles Chargers. But Antonio Gates was so good, but he played in San Diego, so nobody paid attention to him.
2: Didn't he didn't he step away or something? It's almost like I feel like he disappeared and they brought him back.
1: That could be. Because the last time he might couple have retired years, and then
2: he might have stopped playing or they 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 cut him or his contract ran out. Yeah. This is the case probably with Phillip rivers as well. You talk about being on a team where you pretty much have wasted your career. And you know what? People like Joe Burrow probably looking at Antonio Gates or more specifically a Phillip rivers or even a Baker Mayfield and says, when this draft comes up, I might have to say no to Cincinnati. And you, you, you factor in the fact that Antonio Gates, man, his uh, former teammate, Junior Seau, played into his 30s, so yeah. and he's a tight end that blocks a lot, that does a lineman-type position, but also he's always doing hospital passes across the middle. Maybe he's suffering some stuff too, and he said, man, I can't run or anything, but also I can't quite right. have that anymore. I hope not, but with his position, it could be a real problem.
1: Both of these guys seem like they still have the passion for the game. I guess my question to you is, like, could you see somebody like Keekly moving into like a linebacker's coach position almost immediately, or does he need to step away from the game entirely for a couple of years before we even cross that bridge?
2: That's a weird question to answer just because I'm not sure because when you're that closely removed, say next year or even two years, And you know, you're better than the people that are drafting. You know, you can beat the guy out for the job. You know, like it's one of those things like you're trying to coach the guy. He won't listen or he doesn't get it. So you have to get out on the field and show him and stuff. Or you just like, I better just play. There's too much temptation. Maybe, I don't know uh, how he presented himself in the press conference. Maybe locally in Carolina, he can be on the local Carolina Panthers network and do analyst stuff and broadcast games over the radio. He, ha- he has enough money, but I, to get that fixed without getting tempted to stay too long. Right. It's a tough, tough spot, man. I watched a lot of young wrestlers and I'm like, oh, God, I mean, I could just feel like I could step in and do that. But could I step in and do it 250 day, 250 times in a year? No. Right. That's that's the trap for an older professional athlete.
1: I'm worried about that with John Morrison, guy who's just making his way back to the WWE and on SmackDown. They're talking about, oh, you got to watch this guy and all these crazy moves he can do. And it's like, yeah, when he was doing that, you know, 10 years ago, they were crazy moves. And now we have Ricochet and we have Will Ospreay and that that level of athleticism just seems par for the course. And they're building it up to be something that I'm not sure he's going to be able to deliver.
2: Well, but he has charisma and he has a better look to him and a presence than them. So and, and that's the thing that's going to be the difference now. Injury wise, he's never been injured from what I know but we don't know and we don't know as you advance in age what you need to do to kind of help that recovery longer keep your look who knows i've never i i i never been in that uh i've never been tempted by that either like i'll just work around stuff did you watch
1: any of uh lucia underground
2: Uh for him yes
1: I I, I I still think that's the best work that he ever did as a character. like that that whole worldwide underground thing they had going. That was mm-hmm. fantastic. Give me that, John Morrison on SmackDown. I might watch that.
2: Yeah, I, if they only paid the talent, maybe they'd still be in business.
1: Yep. Thank you, Triple A. <laughs> uh, let's talk about the NFL, uh, NFL divisional round this past weekend. San Francisco beats Minnesota. You talked about watching it with your wife. My wife is a diehard Vikings fan, and I, I so we sat and we watched this entire game. She was not happy. Uh, 27-10 for their first playoff win in six years. San Francisco postseason franchise record, 47 rushing attempts for 186 yards. Um, That sets a new record, 45 in the 1989 NFC Championship game. Also, For the San Francisco 49ers, Tevin Coleman, 22 carries, 105 yards, 186 yards on the ground, Stevie, and their longest run was all of 11 yards. They dominate the clock, 38 minutes and 27 seconds to Minnesota's 21-33, because we all know that we should be worried about Kirk Cousins bringing somebody back, right? Jimmy Garoppolo goes 11 of 19 for 131 yards, one touchdown, one interception. Stevie, I, I think the moral of the story coming out of the divisional round, teams that run the football win football games.
2: It feels like all 47 of those carries were on that one drive. I know. It was like every single play was a run. This is a scary team, man. And like you said in there, they, 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 this is the first time that everyone is healthy just in time for the playoffs. And they got the bye. And the home field championship game. It's a scary, scary thing. They dominate it. There's an energy about this team. Uh, and this is the funny thing about the NFL. Was it two years ago that they absolutely sucked? Yeah. That's when Jimmy G came in for the 5-0 and o at the end of the season, right?
1: Yep. It doesn't Feels take like long. Feels like 10
2: years ago. Feels like forever. It's like a completely they have a- different football team. They have a meme up on. Uh, I saw it on. Uh, I think it was, I think you might have posted it. I'm not sure. Where they they showed the stadiums year to year with the Niners, and it said, "Welcome back, Niners fans," because <laughs> it's the first time they had a full stadium this year.
1: Cool, they got to walk through all the shit in San Francisco to get there.
2: Quite literally, yeah. isn't that something? Oh, they're in Santa Clara, so that's that's away from the the low lifes like us.
1: <laughs> yep, like you mentioned, there. D. Ford, he's back. Quan Alexander, he's back. Jaquiski Tart, he's back. That defense is finally getting healthy. They hold Minnesota to 21 yards rushing. Dalvin Cook, nine attempts for 18 yards, two yards a carry versus the Saints. He had 28 attempts for 94 yards, 3.4 yards a carry. He did have six receptions for a whole whopping eight yards. San Francisco just said, yeah, we're going to take Dalvin Cook out of this game and make Kirk Cousins beat us, and that didn't work out so good. 147 yards, total offense. They only had seven first downs for the entire game. Starting late in the second quarter, Minnesota didn't actually get a first down for 27 minutes of game time. I'm not sure I've ever seen that in an NFL playoff game.
2: What do you think the missing piece in Minnesota is? Do you think it's a Kirk Cousins?
1: I'm not a Kirk Cousins guy. I never have. I just, the guy, he seems very, very mediocre to me.
2: But in this day and age, he could get $20 million to be a backup.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To not even be a
2: starting quarterback, and it really is. The, The Vikings would have to draft a quarterback in order to have any kind of hope. Unless they get Cam Newton or something else, but then you have to change team. Well, you can also get in our offensive coordinator because we they lost our offensive coordinator. So you can get a lot of him and Dalvin Cook in the backfield. Cam Newton and Dalvin Cook.
1: Wouldn't you rather bring back Teddy Bridgewater?
2: That would be a great story. You talk about ratings because Teddy Bridgewater is going to get a starting job. But I think Bill Belichick wants Teddy Bridgewater. Ooh, I like that fit. I think he is. i um, going to have a comment here from Voices of Misery. Uh, more of Voices of Misery podcast. Are the Patriots kicking themselves for dropping Jimmy G? Is that a rhetorical question? Probably not. They got a ring since then. People need to stop talking this nonsense. I'd have to kind of disagree with that because maybe the Patriots aren't, but Bill Belichick certainly is.
1: You suppose he, like, texts Robert Kraft watching that 49ers game, and he was like, see, I told you so.
2: I think so. Or just a look. Maybe they're watching it together and he's just looking around. (laughs) Tim Shane.
1: Yep. On to San Francisco. Cousin sacked six times by that San Francisco defense. They only rushed four guys at him. Six sacks from five different defensive linemen. And, Stevie, I thought this was fascinating. All five of those guys, former first-round San Francisco 49ers picks. It's all homegrown. Cousins had pressure on him 46% of the time. Cousins goes 21 of 29 for a buck 72. 21 completed passes for 172 yards. One touchdown.
2: Checkdown, checkdown, checkdown.
1: Yep. One touchdown, one interception. And then you take out the 41 yard pass that he had to Stefan Diggs. He actually goes 20 of 28 for 131 yards. I mean, you, you want to know what the problem is? There you go.
2: Tell you what the problem is. You got a fast defense with Joey Bosa and all these guys on, on the line, maybe some linebackers that are blitzing, and, and then the speed of playoff football on top of that, and the and the crowd, and the energy, and every time you sack him or rush hurry him, or he has to check down and throw a screen or do whatever, you tackle that guy in the backfield, it becomes the, what we call momentum as shifting. <laughs> well, it never shifted. It stayed with San Francisco the entire game.
1: Rush four guys and get pressure on Cousins 46% of the time. Yeah, I, th- I think that front seven, they're pretty good, especially when you can drop the linebackers. And then you got Richard Sherman back there just raising all kinds of hell because he's Richard Sherman, and that's what he does. Even though he's not as good as he used to be, he was so good at one time, he's still a good NFL DB.
2: Why Why are the commentators so down on him and making excuses that he's not a Uh, You know, you could throw to the outside on him. You can always throw the outside. He's a, you know, he's a kind of guy that goes deep all the time and you can, you can do curl routes on him. Then why don't you do that all the time? When he did that press conference, he said, I'd stop, you know, basically I, I stopped everything that came my way. What do you want? I'm good.
1: A lot he of those is. commentators, as I'm sitting there listening to them, and especially the college football ones, I really feel this way about. If you were so fucking smart, you would be a goddamn head coach and not a color
2: commentator. Agreed. Drives me Agreed. I, I, there's got to be some background type of thing. Once again, the media, maybe Sherman didn't give you an interview. Maybe he, he, he didn't answer your question at the press conference. Maybe as a former coach or a player, you disrespected him and he told you to go fuck yourself right to your face. Jim Jim Harbaugh being one of them. Jim Harbaugh watching the Niners where they're at with a guy that he disrespected heading to the championship game. It's got to eat him alive.
1: That whole Seattle Seahawks, the Legion of Boom, Marshawn Lynch, they were definitely not friendly to the media. That, that's certainly one way to put it. Uh, let's talk about the Ravens. Get absolutely stunned by the Titans. Um, I, I thought that Baltimore front seven was going to be able to stop Derrick Henry. That was not the case. 28-12 Titans over the Ravens. The last six seed to make the Super Bowl was the 2010 Green Bay Packers. Yeah, they won it all. Stevie, I, I I don't even know how to explain this game because you look at all of the stats and everything says Baltimore dominates this game until you get to turnovers. Tennessee scored all 28 points off of takeaways or fourth down stops. Total yards, Tennessee 300, Baltimore 530. Ravens 9-0 on fourth down coming into this game. 0-2 versus Tennessee, 0-2, 0-4 on the game on fourth down. Stevie, it's been well talked about that they have an analytics guy who walks around with John Harbaugh on the sidelines and he runs like real time stats and he gives them these are the odds if we go for it on fourth down here, we should go for it. And that's why they went for it on fourth down so many times. Is this going to be the the NFL version of the Oakland Athletics where they get so far into money ball and analytics that it works great throughout the regular season? And then when it's time to play big boy football, oops, your numbers don't work.
2: You might as well use artificial intelligence. That's probably the way it's going to go now and ask Alexa what you should do if you should go for it on fourth down. What's what What can replace... The experience of John Harbaugh looking and looking at the energy and seeing if his team is tired and seeing if the defense is is showing a gap that maybe you can run for a yard and, and knowing and telling Lamar Jackson, this guy in his ear, they'd given him stats and shit, I think is a complete distraction. And it might have taken away the focus and the energy of everybody in that playoff game, because why would Lamar Jackson, who how big is Lamar Jackson? Just punch through, just follow the center, and do a quarterback sneak. Why try to end around and make it look like you're going to option the ball? Yeah. He did that twice, maybe three times,
1: right? Why do you go backwards on fourth down, hoping to go forwards? It doesn't make any sense.
2: Tennessee, I said it last episode, is so dangerous and beats you up. They were beating them up. The offensive line and the defensive line beat you up. Maybe that's what it was. He's like, dude, if I go up the middle, they're going to crush me.
1: (laughs) When you play Madden, there is a defense on there called Engage 8. And that is basically what Baltimore ran against Derrick Henry. They ran eight men up front on two-thirds of his rushing attempts. 30 carries, 195 yards
2: insane because when you're doing it and you're doing an engage eight there's a big space between the, 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 like that and he can and then you give him space to become a locomotive
1: oh yeah and also when you run that engage eight and you have that great big space he can throw for a touchdown too is the first running back to throw a touchdown pass in the playoffs since 1987 when alan rice did it he's now three of four passing for his career, he had a better day than Lamar Jackson did.
2: He did. And but Lamar Jackson still, I don't I don't sleep on what happened. I think I think I think the model with the analytics guy falling harball around, which I'm just hearing for the first time, that, that just stinks to me right away. First impression on that. I think that killed any kind of momentum or energy that they were trying to have that they had throughout the season.
1: Before we talk about Lamar and his quarterback numbers for this game, which are insane. We have to talk about something even more insane. Ryan Tannehill, 7 of 14. He threw 14 passes in this game for 88 yards, two of them touchdowns, six carries for 13 yards, and another touchdown. Quarterback's responsible for three touchdowns, and he doesn't even throw for 100 yards?
2: But it works. Well, that, that, that's a whole question for the offseason when we talk about in the future if they're going to pay him based on that those stats like on performance. Uh, great, great uh, comment. I'll bring it up again here uh, from Foxtrot 165 Do you think they, the Ravens, he probably means, were affected by the bye week? I said, oh, yes. Yeah, Tennessee is like the Eagles. They need to fight and cry, uh, scratch and claw every week. I believe that Lamar Jackson needed – Experience of more playoff play to not be put in the he did last year, but they got him. But I, I really believe that they lost their um, that just their effectiveness and their collaboration and any kind of energy off of that.
1: We're going to talk about the Green Bay Packers here in just a little bit. The Baltimore Ravens are the exact opposite of the Green Bay Packers. In order to beat the Baltimore Ravens, what you have to do is you have to come out and you have to punch them in the mouth right at the beginning of the game because they are built to play with a lead, not to play from behind. Lamar Jackson goes 31 of 59. They asked him to drop back 59 times, 365 yards. One touchdown, two interceptions, one of them clearly not his fault. But he was sacked four times for 20 yards. He also had 20 carries for 143 yards. They're just working this kid to death. And the reason is because they're trying to make up for the lead difference. They're built to play with a lead. If you can come out and punch him in the mouth that first quarter, quarter and a half, you can beat the Baltimore Ravens. We now have the formula.
2: Yeah, let's not forget Mark Ingram was injured. Absolutely. He wasn't healthy. He wasn't healthy. So right there, there's no there's no read option. There's no guessing what's going to happen. And if he had that kind of those kind of stats, 31 completions, why not have him throw him fourth down? <laughs> why, right? why not have him throw him fourth down or be in the shotgun and get some momentum to run to the outside?
1: His QB rating, though, was only 47, quarters one through three. That fourth quarter, he just started throwing all over the field when the Titans finally fell back into a prevent defense. A lot of this was garbage time.
2: Well, don't forget, too, last year with the Chargers, when they were getting, they were, they were like had him on a strict uh, game plan, and then they let him go off script in the fourth quarter and he started making plays. That could also be what happened.
1: Yeah. Like we're losing. With the just just
2: do, do whatever you can out there, man.
1: <laughs> so he's now 19 and three in the regular season, 0 and two in the playoffs. It's going to be interesting to see if that's a narrative going forward with his career.
2: It's similar to paint Manning early on, but at the same time, you don't know how long this kid's going to last with these kinds of like things put on him. especially 20 carries. It only takes that one hit or that, yep. you know, he can break ankles, but he might break his own ankle on one play yep. trying to shift over quickly.
1: All right, let's talk about the crazy one. The Chiefs spot oh. the Texans 24 points and somehow still lead at the half 28 to 24 and win this game 51 to 31 they had no drive that went longer than three minutes and 55 seconds they score on seven straight possessions they go all the way down the field get a touchdown the first team to win a home playoff game by 20 when down 20 Patrick Mahomes 321 yards passing Five touchdowns, seven carries for 53 yards. Houston now 0-4 in divisional games, and they've never won a playoff game on the road. Stevie, before we talk about Deshaun Watson and his game, what did you think of the Kansas City Chiefs and this insane comeback?
2: Well, the only thing I can say is we witnessed history. We witnessed oh, that. That's a game that you could look back on ten years from now, twenty years from now, maybe at the end of Patrick Mahomes' career. This started. This started uh, an era. You thought last year they with fifty touchdowns going to championship game, kind of getting robbed out of going to the Super Bowl because of a call. Uh, this here is definitely the beginning of like he's the next Tom Brady, the next Aaron Rodgers, the next. Joe Montana, you know, you can call him Russell Wilson too, but they could come down to him and Russell Wilson for the next few years Deshaun Watson, Watson. Uh, if they get a different coach, probably if they keep the same coach, which they might not after this train wreck, uh, you're going to see a lot of what the Texans did in this game.
1: Yeah, I would certainly put Bill O'Brien on the hot seat.
2: They said they're going to fire him after the game. I thought there was rumors that they wanted to fire him right after this game.
1: That's crazy. Just absolutely crazy to me. Um, To me, the biggest difference between Kansas City and Baltimore was when you look at the sidelines, Patrick Mahomes is over there screaming at people. Like, he was engaged. He was ready for a comeback. And you look at Lamar Jackson on the sidelines, and he's sitting there kind of with his head in his hands wondering what in the hell to do next.
2: Seemed that way. I mean, it, it was the three minutes and 30 seconds, I believe it was, they scored the three touchdowns was like what just video happened? game ball. Can you imagine they scored 51? Could you imagine if you, if you kind of transferred those 24 points that were off of like just fumble, you know, the kick return thing, the, the pick, um, what else was it? There was all stuff that the chiefs gave up those points to the Texans. What if they didn't and they scored, we'd have 60 points like a 60 to 14 or 60 to 10 game. Yeah,
1: just absolutely crazy watching that. Just absolutely crazy. Uh one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league, Deshaun Watson, 31 of 52, 388 for two touchdowns. Team rushes 21 times for 94 yards. 6 carries for 37 for Watson. Um, This was basically the Deshaun Watson show. If they were going to have a chance in this thing, once they fell behind at halftime, that second half, it was going to have to be the Deshaun Watson show. He just didn't have a whole lot of help. DeAndre Hopkins does get nine receptions for 118 yards, oh yeah, and some busted up ribs. One of the the most memorable plays of this game, Hopkins gets the catch. He turns around, sees a Kansas City guy coming at him. He just falls to the ground like, please don't hit me
2: yeah that was right at the end of the half when they threw a like a 40 yard pass right yeah and he's
1: just running around holding that ribcage that poor guy
2: I think he's more going down to try to to try to stop the play so they can get something going before the half that's why I think it was more he wouldn't give himself up because he was scared hey he might have when he landed or did whatever it might have just it might have just popped and then drove him down
1: yeah Bill O'Brien made some of the most questionable decisions inside of this football game that I think we've ever seen. It, it's crazy to me that you win the division, you win a playoff game, you go on the road to the number two seed, you get whooped, you get fired for that.
2: Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> if in in the coach, modern
1: day NFL, you know,
2: if there's a coach available, like with that, I right, look at it this way a Bill O'Brien offense compared to
1: Josh McDaniels.
2: Well, he's staying from what I understand, which is also well, there's no another, jobs open. Yeah, but you have Lincoln, Lincoln, Riley, you have urban Meyer. You run a college style offense with Deshaun Watson.
1: Could be interesting.
2: Everybody forgot about those two guys because they yeah. thought Jerry Jones was going to hire one or the other. Uh, who you know, and you got two college coaches, coaches, excuse me, uh, Joe Judge and Matt Rule, that got brand new jobs with really no experience. Yeah, these are the Urban Meyer to the Texans against the Cowboys for for dominance in Texas.
1: Think he wouldn't That's like to have JJ Watt
2: or Urban Meyer shoving it up Jerry Jones's ass because he didn't even give him a call.
1: That could be interesting if they want to give up some uh, general manager power.
2: Why not? I mean, they essentially don't have a general manager right now, right?
1: Um, I'm not sure.
2: They didn't for like two years, right? Up until this year, I think they didn't have one.
1: Yeah, I I don't know. And if they
2: did, they didn't announce the hire. (laughs) Yeah,
1: easy easy enough to move off. Just put them in charge of all football personnel decisions. That's all you got to do.
2: Oh, this is funny. I got to put this up. I can't wait for David Baker to surprise Stevie live on the air and tell him that he's going to Stanford and the WWE Hall of Fame. You know what's going to happen is Papadon's not going to like me. let me get a fucking word in edgewise. He's going to try to get it up. So that's uh, what's going to happen. I'll just sit there and be like, fine. And I don't think that's going to happen. But, but I would mark out for David Baker. But he's knocked – dude, that David Baker's knocked a few guys out. You can tell. He's like, you know, he's gotten a little drunk and just somebody said some shit to him. and He knocked him out. He's a big, burly guy. He used to be a player.
1: I, he must have been. He is a big guy. He's got to be like, you know, 6'5", six,
2: 6'6", six, six, and like 400 pounds. He looks like the guy who got drunk the night before the Super Bowl back in the 60s for the past. An old school, like, big, you know, he reminds me of my dad a little bit. My dad's short, but he's got that Italian, like, the guy's probably in his 50s or 60s, and he still has all black hair, and it's like my dad.
1: It's fantastic. So,
2: all right, we skipped around. We skipped right back to the beginning, but I had to play that comment on it. <laughs>
1: Let's uh let's talk about my Packers. They survived the Seattle Seahawks 28 to 23. We talk about how, you know, to beat Baltimore, you got to come out and hit them in the mouth. I think Green Bay might be able to beat Baltimore because they come out, they start really really fast, they start really really strong, and then we get to halftime. And for the second half, I find myself just sitting there hoping that the clock runs out. That's what the Green Bay Packers are this year. They jump on you with the scripted plays and then they just Fall apart. Devonte Adams has eight receptions for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Thank God, because there was nobody else for Aaron Rodgers to throw to. 15 of 27, 243 for aaron. Aaron Jones, 21 carries, 62 yards and two touchdowns. He's going to have to be a whole lot better than that if they want a snowball's chance in hell of beating San Francisco. Stevie, make me feel better about my Green Bay Packers going into San Francisco.
2: Well, I can make you, they got into the championship game. Does that make you feel better? Because that's about as far as they're going to go. Because once again, you're right, the scripted plays. I don't know if they're scripting 15, 20, or 30. Script as many plays as you can to get ahead of San Francisco and then tell Aaron Rodgers, win this game for us. Like go down swinging, attack them, Uh, do whatever you can. I think you have a better chance. Of doing what the Chiefs did by trying to score as quickly as possible and let your defense stop Jimmy Garoppolo. Yeah. Because if you leave that defense, you keep encountering that defense on possessions, they're going to, they're going to, they could hurt Aaron Rodgers or they could cause turnovers. The more you're out there with your offense and the longer you're out there, the defense is going to get you. Do you agree with that?
1: Yeah. The Green Bay strategy has to be come out, get them early get San Francisco in a deficit, make Jimmy Garoppolo beat you, and then hope that Aaron Jones holds up and you feed him and feed him and feed him and bleed that clock dry as much as you can. Keep the ball out of Jimmy G's hands and make him beat you.
2: That's yeah, gotta be it. And once again, Devontae Adams is who they're gonna go after, just like they won after Dalvin Cook. Yep. They're gonna take, they beat us with everybody but him, and who did they beat Seattle with? Devontae Adams. No. They kept passing to him over the middle.
1: You you bring up Richard Sherman. This is the game, right? Aaron Rodgers goes to work on Richard Sherman. It's going to be Devontae Adams versus Richard Sherman. I have to anticipate that's going to be the key matchup in this game.
2: Didn't it? Didn't he purposely avoid him in a previous game when Sherman played for Seattle years back? Remember there was a big press conference about how he avoided going after Richard Sherman for the whole game?
1: Yeah, because well, I don't know if uh, San Francisco runs the same way, but at least in Seattle, they had like their assigned positions. Where if if Richard Sherman is on the right side of the field, he was going to be on the right side of the field the entire game. They wouldn't flip it. They wouldn't mirror. Oh, no, he's eight-packs. covering
2: a number one now. He's covering a number one, I believe now.
1: Yeah, it, so it's got to come down to Devontae Adams versus Richard Sherman because if, if Devontae just tries to move over to the other side of the field, Richard's just going to follow him.
2: Well, how much experience does he have? Adams is still in his first five years, right?
1: I believe so. Yeah. Otherwise, Green Bay would have moved him.
2: A ton of experience over him. Like, just because, just because Sherman tore his Achilles, he did whatever. He's had a lot of time in there. He knows technique. He knows leverage. He knows. Yeah, you can run that route, but I know where you're going to end up, and I'll be there. And that's what happened in. Uh, that's what happened with Minnesota. Yep. I'll be there cuz I know what route you're running. That's a smart way to play.
1: Let's talk about the Seattle side of this thing. Russell Wilson, now 0-4 at Lambeau Field. Seattle hasn't won a game there since the year 2000. 0-9 since the year 2000. Wilson goes 21 of 31 for 277, one touchdown. He has seven carries for 64 yards. The rest of the team has 46 yards on 17 carries, including beast mode Marshawn Lynch, 12 carries for 26 yards, but hey, he had two touchdowns out of that thing. Tyler Lockett has nine receptions for 136 yards. Last week's hero of the game, DK Metcalf, four receptions for 59 yards. Stevie, we knew that Seattle was going to be outgunned coming into this game because they were so beat up throughout the course of this season. And if they were going to stand a chance, it was going to be because of Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson absolutely kept them in this game. I think if this game would have been five minutes longer, Seattle probably would have won it.
2: This is an example, too, of like, who do you make the MVP and why? Russell Wilson is, could be the MVP of the league because he has less Around him, and is expected to do way more. He's living up to his 36, 37 million dollars a year contract. Yep. Uh, and let's not forget too, Devin and Clowney, who basically is a free agent right now, uh, had had already a sports hernia injury and got kicked in the balls during the game. So, I mean, and, and Marshawn Lynch, I'm so happy that Seattle finally decided to hand it to him uh, in the red zone. Good job. A few years too late. Once again, another another dynasty that got killed because of one play. They could have been two-time, three-time, four-time Super Bowl champions during the course of the Legion of Boom. They could have completely made the Patriots not be a dynasty. But here we are right now. So good job handing it off to him finally.
1: Of Seattle. I do feel bad for that team. Kind of like I feel bad for your Philadelphia Eagles. You know, it's like I would have loved to have seen the Eagles at full strength against some of these teams. I would have loved to have seen Seattle at full strength against some of these teams. Russell Wilson might have won his first game at Lambeau.
2: We're getting into new era, too. Um, not so much with Seattle. I think they've been a lot smarter. I think the Packers are sort of smart. The Eagles, the Rams um, and other teams, the Cowboys. They they had the window with cheap quarterbacks with cheap talent, uh, and now everybody's getting bigger contracts coming up. And I have a feeling it's all going to turn upside down because of money.
1: And we're hearing a lot of talk about like you know Derek Carr getting moved off of the Raiders for that very reason. You know let let Gruden go out get his own quarterback. You've got him on a rookie deal. You can surround him with a bunch of good talent in that brand new stadium out there in Las Vegas. Pretty tempting offer.
2: Yeah, but he's not going to groom any young quarterback. That's another place. Here, here we go again. That's another place where Cam Newton could go in Vegas. You can talk about box office.
1: Talk about weird. God knows what his wardrobe would do if he's out in
2: Vegas. Let's go a little conspiracy theory with that, real? Yeah, exactly. Let's go a conspiracy theory though. Uh, what if they don't want to pay Dak? Yeah, and then and Gruden wants Dak for draft picks.
1: Ooh, that could be an interesting uh, – because Oakland, Las Vegas, whatever they are right at the moment, they sure have an awful lot of picks. It wouldn't surprise me to see them trying to move for something like that.
2: Oh, we bumped the impact attack off Twitch. I didn't even know that. <laughs> We're going a little long. Sorry about that. All right. That's what happens when you have 25 shows on uh, com. So we'll we'll, we'll we'll make it quick. We'll be uh. (laughs) (laughs) We we
1: we got two games left to talk about. We got the AFC Championship. It's going down at three o five on Sunday. It's on CBS. Kansas City favored by seven and a half points. This, of course, a rematch from Week Eleven. Tennessee won that game in Tennessee, thirty five to thirty two. Patrick Mahomes goes thirty six of fifty for four hundred and forty six yards in that game with three touchdowns. Tyreek Hill went off eleven receptions, one hundred and fifty seven yards and a touchdown. Ryan Tannehill, in true Ryan Tannehill fashion, 13 of 19 for 181 and two touchdowns. Derrick Henry, 188 yards and two touchdowns against that Kansas City defense. Total yards, Kansas City 530, Tennessee 371, but they still won the game. Stevie, I'm really leaning Tennessee in this thing. I just don't think they can stop Derrick Henry.
2: They are the most dangerous team in the AFC. They've been for a while. They're getting their stride. They beat people up, I said earlier. I don't know if the Chiefs have the physicality. This this is another thing. This is another thing, trying to do the opposite of what we talked about with the Packers in San Francisco. The Chiefs need to slow down their drives and keep Patrick Mahomes on the field and keep Derrick Henry off the field and keep their defense fresh to try to stop Derrick Henry. If they score fast and give Tennessee a lot of possessions, it doesn't matter how fast you score. Tennessee will have a 10-minute drive with Derrick Henry, 12-minute drive, 20-play drives. And Patrick Mahomes will need to score three touchdowns in three minutes. And, and the secondary of Tennessee is no joke. They're not that bad. So what do you do? I'm leaning Tennessee
1: in this game. Who are you picking?
2: I'm still going to pick the Chiefs because I think if football is work, the Chiefs and Packers might actually happen. (laughs) That's where I'm I'm leaning.
1: I think the other thing that's going to be talked about a lot, especially if Tennessee wins this game, we talk about Bill O'Brien. He wins a playoff game. He wins his division. He might get fired. Can Andy Reid afford to lose another championship game?
2: I think so, just because he's grown Patrick Mahomes into the best player in football. And that's only going to get better. And, and the formula, I, I think the formula from now on, because of what happened with Dorsey and Andy Reid, is going to go back to coaches like maybe an Urban Meyer in Houston or somewhere else having complete control. When you have this analytics thing, I don't believe is going to pop up its head as much with uh, an Andy Reid in the league, you know, because if it was really something, wouldn't Sean McVay have an analytics guy on the sideline with him?
1: Yeah, he would. You know, because
2: that's the modern era of football. Oh, by the way, I want a sidebar on a side note. I want to thank Hacker Amin our our boss, Ben Hameen, uh, for pointing me to certain websites so I don't have to pay the fucking money to CBS access Bullshit. You shouldn't charge. You shouldn't have premium subscription-based content for any playoff game. That's about ratings, man. Don't be so fucking greedy, CBS. And also ESPN was another one. Come on, man.
1: You talk about ratings. Did you see the college football playoff did 25 million viewers the other night?
2: And that wasn't behind a paywall, right?
1: No. 25 million viewers.
2: I hate that, man. Like the, the the whole thing with the NBC did it too. You know, there, there's plenty of places that's to watch ridiculous. it. Thanks to guys like Ben. Hacker Hameen. Hacker Hameen. Oh, Foxtrot said that that ruined the Raw Raw rating. I don't think that's what ruined the Raw rating. So,
1: <laughs> 1.46 for Monday Night Raw. Lowest rating non-holiday in a very, very long time.
2: Secretly, they should thank... Professional sports for being year-round because they have an excuse every week. When yep. I was with the company, Vince's exact thing was when we had low house shows, low ratings, low anything. If we gave them a product that they wanted to see, they would come. Yep. If you build it, if you make it good, people will come. That attitude has been a complete 180 in my in my obs- observance at this point. But let's talk about sports I like. Let's go back to football.
1: NFC Championship goes down at 6.40 Eastern time on Fox. San Francisco favored by 7.5, even though they beat the ever-loving piss out of my Green Bay Packers, 37-8 in Week 12. Aaron Rodgers, probably the worst game of his professional career, 20 of 33 for 104 yards. Aaron Rodgers barely breaking 100 yards. Good luck with that happening again. Aaron Jones, 13 rushes for 38 yards, but this is before they were featuring him all the time. Jamal Williams did have 11 carries for 45 yards. Jimmy Garoppolo went 14 of 20 for 253, two touchdowns. George Kittle, yeah, he was missing this week against the Vikings. They took him completely out of the game. Three receptions for 16 yards, but against Green Bay, week 12, six receptions, 129 yards and a touchdown. Hopefully, Green Bay is watching video not only of this loss, but also of how Minnesota took Kittle out of the game because that's going to be a huge key for this game.
2: Yeah, but then you got two more guys. You got Emmanuel Sanders. You got Debo Samuel, I believe that's his name. You, you can you can either have the double-team Kittle or Kittle was in a lot of blocking assignments too, I believe, in the game as well, right? This is like a Gronkowski-type thing where on the Super Bowl run, he didn't get the vanity metrics or the vanity stats, but man, as a blocker, he he was the unsung hero in the game, you know, and in the Super Bowl, obviously the one. It only takes that one pass. All you have to do is George Kittle give him some momentum. He'll carry three guys 10 to 20 yards. Yeah,
1: especially that Green Bay secondary, who I don't think is that great, but I do like our linebackers. So we may be able to to kind of neutralize Kittle, but yeah, like you said, then they have the outside. Like we were saying earlier, I think the key is if Green Bay jumps out early and gets ahead, make Jimmy G beat you, take the ball out of their running backs hands, they might stand a chance. But I don't think well, that's somebody says happen. San
2: Francisco by a trillion.
1: Well, I don't think it's actual... I don't think it's gonna be by a trillion, but it wouldn't surprise me if it's at least three scores.
2: So what's your prediction? San Francisco by what? Like what's his, what's the score? What's the score of both games? What do you think the go back to the chiefs and, uh, and um, the Texans, not the Texans, the Titans. What do you think it's going to be?
1: I'll go San Francisco over green Bay, 34 to 17. And I will take the Tennessee Titans 21, 17 over the Kansas city chiefs.
2: Okay, let's start with that. San Francisco over the Packers. I feel like 28-13. All right, let me go. Yeah, because I think there's going to be a field goal or two in there. Let's go with 31-13. 31-13. Ouch, no. Ouch. And then. That's even more points then, than I gave them. Yeah. The Chiefs are going to probably, oh, I'll give two scores. If it's going to be a high-scoring game, I think the Chiefs are going to beat them like something like 34 to like 24 if Derrick Henry is running and they just keep feeding them it could potentially be like a 16 10 game
1: yeah 1710
2: 10 because if Texans keep the have possessed the ball it's going to be a low scoring game if the Chiefs if it create a shootout Derrick Henry's got to run from the line of skirmish instead of the end zone every single time to keep up it's 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 going to be an interesting thing it could be a super boring. It, the Tennessee wants to make it a super boring game. Yeah, super boring.
1: I think Ryan Tannehill is going to attempt to throw the ball like maybe fifteen times, and th- this game is going to be Derrick Henry versus Patrick Mahomes, and it's going to be Derrick Henry marching the Titans down the field in these eight to twelve minute drives, and then Mahomes is going to get the ball and go right down the field in like four minutes. And well, then for,
2: don't don't forget about AJ Brown though.
1: But what scares me, I think that that Tennessee offense can tire out the Kansas City defense. And by the late second half, Henry is going to be going completely crazy. And you're going to have a rested Tennessee defense on the field going against Patrick Mahomes. That's how they win this game.
2: I wouldn't disagree with that. The might suit up too and catch a touchdown pass in the red zone
1: from Derek Henry. Yeah, (laughs) So that's going to wrap things up for this week's show Thanks for listening and if you haven't yet Please hit that subscribe button Then find the entire HTM Podcast Network online HittingTheMarks.com RBV and I will be on a little bit later today Maybe tomorrow for an all new edition of HTM Sports and talk about the college football Playoff Please visit HackerHameen.Podbean.com For the latest from Stevie and the Conspiracy Horseman As well as the Friday Locker Room Along with all the other incredible content I think we're up to like 20 shows a week now at
2: Sometimes they overlap, as you can tell. <laughs> Be
1: sure that you hit up Get Acre Gold at getacregold.com backslash horseman and get at them on Twitter at get underscore acre. You can find me across all social media platforms at NotJargo Stevie. How do the peeps, the freaks, and the geeks find you?
2: Well, according to the emails I got from my wife this morning, I'm an introvert, so I'm not sure I even want people to find me. I'm looking at all these emails about when you build a home gym out of the main living area, that should be the first uh, hint that you're an introvert, and I'm not in the middle of an ice storm in Atlanta, so (laughs) there's no reason not to go outside. But speaking of home gym stuff, there's two different things you can do. If you're somebody that's just starting out or you have a very limited budget, please check out StevieRichardsFitness.com. Our plans, our programs, and our videos are the most affordable, accessible ones out there with direct support from me. If you're looking to build up your home gym with some equipment, please check out ForceUSA.com and also DiamondbackFitness.com. ForceUSA is strength equipment, has some cardio equipment as well. Uh, And also Diamondback Fitness is the spin bike and the treadmill I have in my cardio room. Stevie5 is the code for both ForceUSA.com and diamondbackfitness.com that money that affiliate code comes back to create content like this and give us production equipment also you can use the Amazon affiliate link in the link in the description below here on the YouTube channel that also doesn't cost you anything and also goes towards stuff that we can put back into Stevie Richards Fitness
1: if you are joining us at twitch.tv backslash conspiracy horseman stick around for the impact attack coming up As uh, for Stevie and I, we'll be back next week and we'll be talking some Super Bowl hype. For now, we're off like a prom dress. See ya.